Wonderful. Well, I, my name is Jan, and it, I have the great privilege of sharing with us today, and I get to talk about my best friend. Isn't that cool? Holy Spirit, who is with me every single day, and he loves me, and he loves you, and he is with you. Isn't that great? And he is here right now. We get to we're going to get, delve in to a little bit of theology. Yes, and it's going to be good. So I, I hope you are on the edge of your seat. But first of all, before we go, we're going, to, we're going to speed along a little bit. But before we do that, it is Sheridan's birthday tomorrow. Yes, and so I want to, I've got the microphone this morning. So I want to take this moment to honour Sheridan. I give honour to you today. I thank you for who you are. I get to see a little bit more than what most people would see of Sheridan. And I honour you for um, continually stepping outside of your comfort zone to keep in step with Holy Spirit to, to honour Father God and his plan and his purpose for you. So I thank you. I honour you for who you are. And... He's a man that desires to please God, not man. <laughs> That's the mother-in-law clapping there. <laughs> He's the favourite son-in-law <laughs> and the only one. <laughs> so I thank you and I honour you, Sheridan. Holy Spirit, he is a member of the Trinity a member of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, God Almighty. No matter how long you've been in relationship with him today, or if you're not in relationship with him today, I believe he is going to impart fresh revelation into your lives. So get ready for that revelation to be imparted today because he's with you and he's speaking to you and to me. So, But first of all, we are going to watch a video that is going to um, try and explain to you a little bit about Father, Son, Holy Spirit and their relationships, which I'm going to speak into the role in his role, Holy Spirit's role in the Trinity. It is really hard to understand. And a, you know, a friend of mine actually said to me um, this past week that somebody had some time with, with um, Mother Teresa and this guy said to Mother Teresa, would you please help me to, or pray for me to understand this and this and this? And she said, no, nah, no, no, I can't pray for you to understand this and this and this about God. But what I can do is I can pray that you would trust him all the days of your life. Because he is God, Right? He is God. He is not mankind, humanity like us, but he is God. So we cannot get our heads around God, which is awesome, I reckon. He is God, but may we trust him all the days of our lives. But we're going to have a little look into his role in the Trinity, what we call the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Watch the screen. 
So I've got a question that's always bothered me. The Bible says there's one God, but in other parts of the Bible, God is three, Father, Son, and Spirit. How can it be both? Yeah, this is a question that has mystified people for thousands of years. And while we can't fully explain it, I think we can better understand what it is that we can't fully understand. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, think of it this way. Here's a two-dimensional plane. And then here's an object with three dimensions that's going to pass through the 2D plane. Okay, right. From this perspective, the 3D objects above and below the plane. So now it makes sense. But imagine you were a 2D person stuck on the 2D plane. What would you see? I don't know. What would I see? Well, it would look like this. Oh, yeah, okay. From this perspective, it looks impossible. It's one object, and then then two objects, and then three. But in reality, they're all one, just not in a way you're capable of understanding. Now, let's take this whole thing as a visual analogy for how we experience God. The claim in the Bible is that God is transcendent, a divine being through whom we live and move and have our being. Or, as God says, I am. Okay, but I live here in this universe, so when God appears, it will make sense in some ways, but in other ways, it will break my categories. Exactly. This happens all the time when people encounter the God of the Bible. So let's look first at how this happens in the Hebrew Scriptures. Throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, God appears in complicated ways that don't quite fit our categories. One common way this happens is with God's attributes. So an attribute is a way to describe what something is like. For example, a soccer ball is round. Right. Or God is wise. Yeah, great. Let's take God's wisdom. So the book of Proverbs says that God created the world by his wisdom. But then there are also poems in the book of Proverbs that describe God's wisdom as a person, a co-worker through whom God architected the universe. So God's attribute becomes a separate character? Yeah. This also happens with God's glory, which sometimes appears as a human figure on a throne that's engulfed in fire. Or take God's word, which he can speak to people, but sometimes his word appears like a person. Wait, so God's attributes have become new little gods? No, no. The biblical authors believe there's only one all-powerful God. But they're comfortable talking about them as different characters. Yeah, this is part of the way that the biblical authors portray the one God's complex identity. They're God's attributes and also distinct from God. Distinct from God and also God. Yes, Once we learn to spot that way of talking about God's identity, you begin to see it all over the scriptures. In fact, you find it in the first sentences of the Bible that mention the Spirit of God. So the opening line of the Bible is pretty familiar. In the beginning, God created. But then keep reading. Who is it that we see within creation hovering over the waters? The Spirit of God. Yeah, so the spirit refers to God's personal presence and energy that we can interact with here within creation. And so the Bible can refer to God's spirit as distinct from God. Distinct from God and also God. It's God's spirit. And while this sounds strange from our point of view, this complexity is what the biblical authors are trying to get us to see. So we've looked at God's attributes and God's spirit. Now let's make our last stop exploring God's complex identity in the Hebrew scriptures with a character called the Son of Man. So in the Bible, there's only one God that people are to worship, which makes this story in the book of Daniel really surprising. Daniel has a dream about a human figure called the Son of Man, 
which means a member of humanity. And Daniel dreams about this human getting elevated on a cloud, up and then higher up. Up into God space. Yes. And then this human sits at the right hand of God's heavenly throne, and all humanity worships this human alongside God. A human where I expect to see God. Yeah, this human is a part of God's identity. This vision is about the climactic hope of the whole biblical story. God and humanity become one so they can rule the world together as one. So the Son of Man is distinct from God and also God. Exactly. So think back over everything we've looked at. In the Hebrew Scriptures, God's identity is complex. And so when Jesus' followers encountered God as the Father, Son, and the Spirit, they already had categories for how these could all be the one God of the Bible. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, so in the New Testament, we're introduced to Jesus of Nazareth. And he's human, but way more. His favorite title to call himself was the Son of Man. The figure in Daniel's vision. And the claim is that he is this complex God become human to unite other humans with God. Okay, so the Gospels portray Jesus as fully human. And also as Yahweh, the God of Israel. Jesus went around saying and doing things that only Yahweh can do, like forgiving people's sins or calming the chaotic waters. So they're saying Jesus is a human distinct from God and also God. Yeah, and that might sound crazy unless you've been reading the Hebrew scriptures, which prepared you for it. And then check this out. Jesus' first followers, the apostles, talked about his identity using the language of God's attributes. They called Jesus the glory of God, or the apostle Paul called Jesus the wisdom of God. Or John opens his gospel calling Jesus the word of God through whom the world was created. And then he says, the word was with God and was God. Okay, I get what they're doing and it hurts my brain. Totally. And if you want to spin your brain even more, consider this. Jesus, who's portrayed as God become human, would talk to God as a distinct person. And when he did, he called him Father. When Jesus talked about God, he wasn't referring to an abstract force or energy. He was talking about a personal being that you can relate to. There's a lot of personal images of God in the Bible. Ruler, creator, judge. But Jesus consistently referred to God as my father. Jesus experienced God as a source of infinite love. He said, the father has loved me since before the creation of the world. Apparently, Jesus knew the Father as an eternally others-centered, life-giving being. Right, like in the story about Jesus' baptism, when the Father says from heaven, this is my Son whom I love. And then keep reading. In that story, the person who brings that message of love from the Father to the Son is the Spirit of God. So we've talked about God's Spirit. Here within creation, it's through the Spirit that we interact with the divine. Yeah, and the same was true for Jesus. Through the Spirit, he experienced the Father's love. But it didn't stop there. Jesus promised that through him, the Spirit would go out and share the Father's love with all humanity and with all creation. So it can look like these are three distinct gods, but in some way that transcends my view of reality, they're also one. Right. This is what later followers of Jesus called the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are the one God of the Bible. I could see how they got there. But this isn't just a philosophy puzzle. To describe God as a triunity is to claim that the universe is held together by an eternal community of love. Which is something that I can't really understand. But the God of the Bible isn't a being that you understand. The point is to know and be known by this God so that we can participate in his love.
I love that last line, to know and be known by God so we can participate in his love. Isn't that beautiful? The Bible project is good, isn't it? You can share that with friends. Friends have got questions. You can share. There's a whole lot, hundreds of of various clips that you can share with them. The word of God will not return void. So share, share around. So today we are going to talk about Holy Spirit and his role in the Trinity. Coming weeks where we're going to talk about Holy Spirit's role in and with us, which I may even touch on today, even though I'm supposed to stay focused. And we're also going to talk about gifts of the Spirit. So I know that in the short time, I can't cover everything in depth, but I'm going to give it a go of brushing over uh, the wonderful truths of Holy Spirit and His role with the Trinity this morning. So Genesis 1, 1 and 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, was hovering over the surface of the waters. You may remember some of you that Sheridan spoke from the scripture near the end of the year and uh, talked around the, the Hebrew word there for spirit is ruach, uh, or ruach Elohim, the breath of the Almighty. He is Almighty God, Holy Spirit, was present there in creation, present and active. He is all-powerful and creative. Beautiful picture of teamwork happening right there from the beginning. Great teamwork. Several verses later, here's teamwork again. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. God, by his nature, three in one is community, is in unity, displaying the ultimate, I reckon, like the ultimate team, the ultimate group there, the ultimate family, the ultimate friendship, the ultimate comradeship, the ultimate teamwork on display there. And then a a little bit, um, not long past that, mankind, humanity messes up, rebels, makes mistakes, and some pretty huge ones actually, that has an effect on um, the whole of the world. The Trinity then, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the ones who said, let us make mankind in our image, the Trinity, they devise a plan together. They are an extraordinary team, an extraordinary team. We're going to fast forward all the way to the New Testament. You can read more if you like in the Old Testament for yourselves, but we're going straight into the New Testament. And here we got Jesus, another member of the Trinity. Jesus is here walking on the earth the Son of Man or the Son of God. And we can read about him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The fulfillment of many, 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 many prophecies that Jesus has come. And then Jesus begins to speak. We're going fast forward again. He begins to speak about his time to depart this earth, and which we now know, we know now, but they didn't quite get it then when he was talking about it, 
that he was talking about his sacrifice, that he would give his life once and for all. He would be that ultimate sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb that is for us, for each one of us, that would reconcile us in relationship with Heavenly Father that we celebrated over communion earlier. So Jesus begins to talk about this. And he says in John 16, 7, But in fact... It is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, that is Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. This is teamwork again in action. Incredible teamwork. Jesus is passing the baton here, talking about passing the baton on to Holy Spirit, the advocate, our personal advocate. I don't know about you, but I really like movies where there's the lawyer there and the lawyer is an incredible advocate for the person that he is, um, he or she is, what do you call it? Advocating for? (laughs) defending and um, I love that and and they they go you know they work day and night to to be that person's advocate you know they've got your back they're going to go to the other degree to have your back to to see you set free this is Holy Spirit he is your advocate in fact Father Son Holy Spirit has your back This is Holy Spirit, your personal advocate, helper. The Greek word here is parakletos for advocate or helper. And also, that word also speaks of comfort, protection, counsel, and guidance. This is Holy Spirit and one of his roles in the Trinity there, working as a team there. He's got your back through the thick and thin. Through the trials and the sorrows, he is with you. He is your comforter. He is your protector, your counsel, your guidance, your helper, your advocate. Through seasons of joy, he is your advocate. And then we see in John 14, 16 and 17, that before in John 16, Jesus said, I will send the advocate. Then we see in this verse here, these verses, John 16, 14, 16 to 17. And I, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. So the Father and the Son is all together. They work as a team. Beautiful picture. Working as a team, we're going to send you the advocate, Holy Spirit, and he is the Holy Spirit who will lead into all truth. Holy Spirit does not exist or operate or act in isolation. He is in teamwork with Father and Son, a wonderful, extraordinary team. He's in team with Father God's will, with the person and the work of Jesus Christ an extraordinary team. John 16, verses 8 to 15. And Jesus says, And when he, the Holy Spirit, our advocate, comes, he will convict, there's three things here, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe me Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world, Satan, 
has already been judged. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. That's teamwork again, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me, teamwork, and all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Incredible teamwork at play there. But I want to um, just talk about a little bit of a parallel that I discovered as I prepared this, and I want to sh- I'm so excited about it, so I want to share with you uh, that from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, another one of Holy Spirit's roles in the Trinity was to breathe upon Scripture. It says, all Scripture, truth, the Word of God, is God-breathed, breath of God, Holy Spirit. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Servant of God, if you're the church, the church is here today, the church is in chapel and online and in Ruakura, that this, the scriptures are for you, that you would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But here's the parallel between that scripture in John, John 16, or what I discovered, what I found out, is that When Jesus talks about Holy Spirit and what he will come and he will, says he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. If you look at Timothy there, Holy Spirit has breathed upon, inspired the scripture, which is useful for teaching, I would say teaching about the judgment, the coming judgment, rebuking, correcting convicting of sin and training in righteousness. If we are not in the scripture, if we are not listening to, reading and consuming the scripture, then we will not be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Holy Spirit's role is to lead and guide you into what he has breathed upon for your sake, for my sake. He will lead us into truth. But if we're not going to be in the truth, if we're not going to read that, if we're not going to know what the truth says, then how can we keep in step with him? Galatians 5.25. Do you know that there is an enemy at play every single day? of our lives. There is an enemy at work, and, he, and right now he, has, he, he, he is at play in the world. There will come a time where he will no longer be, but right now he is. And he's all, another name for the enemy is called the accuser. And do you know that he comes to accuse you? He tries to speak lies into you, into me, around who we are not, actually. Lies around, ah, oh, who do you think you are? Oh, you no good for that. Oh, why are oh, you thinking you're forgiven? Well, come on, come on. You should feel really, really guilty. And you, th- oh, all oh, right, you've been forgiven, have you? Well, just let me place a bit of shame upon you. He tries to accuse over and over and over. But if we don't 
keep in step with Holy Spirit, one of his roles in the, in the Trinity there is that for him to continue to lead us into truth. If we're not believing truth, if we don't know the truth, then we're going to be led by the accuser. We're going to take on lies of the enemy. We're going to start to believe that. We're going to start to speak it over ourselves. even. We might even start to speak it over other people because we don't know the truth and it's not going to set us free like Sheridan talked about last week. We need to be in the Word. That is one of Holy Spirit's role. He knows the plan and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life and his plan and his purpose is wonderful. He knows that but The enemy wants to just take you aside. He doesn't want the best for you. He's going to accuse and take you to the left, take you to the right. But if you stick with the word, where the Holy Spirit will lead you into truth, then you will be set free. The team is at work there. The team is at work. Father has a plan for you, a wonderful will for your life. And Jesus came and set us free, took our place, and then Holy Spirit is like, come on, come on, let me remind you of what Jesus has done. Let me remind you of the truth. Let me remind you of who Father is and his great love for you. Come on, I need you to stay on course. Holy Spirit also births spiritual life. Wow, spiritual life. You know the saying, born again? Holy Spirit, one of his role in the Trinity. Jesus says in John 3, 5 to 6, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, that is being naturally born, and the Spirit, Holy Spirit at play there. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. He will give you new birth. Make everything new. To wonderful, extraordinary teamwork at play. Father sent his son. Jesus came and made a way, sacrificing his life and hands the baton on to Holy Spirit and who births a brand new spiritual life for everyone who would receive, everyone who would believe. But wait, there's more. There is more. Acts chapter 1. Jesus says and, um, that Holy Spirit would baptize us. There is more. Than, there is always more with God. There is always more. And when we would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that we would receive power that there are gifts for us and we're going to learn more about those and and that we would be bold, the power, that baptism would bring boldness upon his church, that we would share wherever we go, wherever we are, in our communities, in our workplaces, wherever we are, that we would share about him. We would share about him. Wonderful, wonderful Extraordinary team, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Fast forward to today. Today, what is the Spirit of God? What is Holy Spirit saying to you today? What is Holy Spirit saying to me? What is he saying to his church today? He is here today. What is he saying in this season? And I believe that he is reminding his church that we are made in the image of God. 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit. An extraordinary team. Unity. We are made in His image. And the church, we are to reflect that image. Unity. Community. Teamwork. The church is to, despite health pandemics, despite masks, despite social distancing, despite launching new campuses, despite this pandemic, we are called to unity. We are called to great community. We are called to display great teamwork, extraordinary teamwork together. We are called to love one another that would prove to the world that we are his disciples, as Jesus said in John 13, 35. We are called to to display or to reflect that wonderful image of the Trinity. We are not... We are in the world, but not of the world. Kingdom culture is unity.